Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you here today. We are in a sermon series we're calling Welcome, in which we're looking at um, numerous biblical metaphors of the church. We've been saying every week that we have been deeply discipled by the society around us. We've been profoundly formed as individual consumers with self-fulfillment and self-expression as the greatest goods. But unfortunately, these things have not delivered for us. Americans find themselves lonelier than they have ever been. Americans report actually they're twice, twice as lonely as they even said 10 years ago. And Americans are more restless, more discontent, more depressed than they've ever been. It's not working. And the good news is that God is inviting us into something better. He's inviting you into something better. He's inviting you out of your isolation to be a person in community. And he's inviting you out of restlessness. And he's inviting you into a life of purpose. To join Jesus in his renewal of all things. He's saying, welcome. Every single one of you is invited into a life of love and into a life of purpose And God has extended this invitation through this peculiar people called the church. So that's what we're looking at together. And two weeks ago, we looked at the metaphor of the household, the oikos, and we heard that you are brothers and sisters in a common family. Last week, we looked at the fact that you are called the temple, that we are bricks, living stones in the temple of the Spirit. And this week, we're looking at the words of Jesus, him telling us that we are salt and light. So let's look at the words of Jesus from Matthew 5. If you'll turn there in your Bibles or open your bulletin to page 10. This is an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount. It is the words of Jesus. It's absolutely true. These words are given to us in love. So let's hear them. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. People of God, this is the word of the Lord. Can the world be changed? Can the world be changed? Honestly, after seeing that video and hearing the figure that 45 million people are in slavery today, it's, it's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe the world could be changed. And it's not just that. It's Eight people gunned down in as many days in Mosby Court last week. It's the endless cycle of poverty and violence that seems unstoppable. It's the brokenness of our educational system. It's the desperation of a historic global refugee crisis. It's the cycles of political and racial and class conflict. It's the degradation of human life, the destruction of the environment. Not even to mention the overwhelming problems in your own communities and neighborhoods. Can the world be changed? Is it possible for it to be changed? And does the community of Jesus have any responsibility for it? Christians have actually been divided on this question. Some have been so overwhelmed by the darkness of the world and the despair of society that they've just thrown up their hands and said, the world's going down the drain. Let's save some souls and wait till Jesus returns. 
Let's withdraw. Others have said, yes, we must change the society, but they have sought to do so on the world's terms with weapons of political power and legislative action and manipulation. Finally, others, Christians, have so engaged the world's struggles that they have lost all distinction between their own values and the values of the society around them. Can the world be changed? And what is the role of the people of God? What is the role of the church? That's our question today. And in these verses, Jesus astonishingly says, yes, it can be. And you, my people, have a role in it. You have responsibility to engage in this world, this this social environment you find yourselves. And remember, he was speaking to a little group of followers who at this point were nothing more than a group of ragtag, disempowered nobodies following a homeless rabbi. To you, he says, to you, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are world changers. And he's saying that to us today. Can you believe it? He's saying that to us. So what does this mean? That's what we want to explore together. Let's unpack this metaphor of salt and light. First, let's look at the context of Jesus's vision. We're going to talk about his vision for social engagement, but let's look at the context first, just real briefly. And the context, you won't be surprised, is community. Look at the first two words of verse 13 and 14. Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. Now, because we are 21st century Americans, we hear this through our individualistic lenses as if Jesus is talking to you personally. Me, Jesus? Moi? I'm the salt of the earth. How flattering. What a compliment. But friends, the you here is the second person plural pronoun, which we do not have a good one in English. If we were speaking Spanish, we would say ustedes or vosotros. Those of you who are Southern have have something. You could say y'all, y'all. Or if you're from Jersey, use guys. And actually, it's better to substitute, to to translate this Southern. You could say, y'all, Jesus says, y'all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are the light of the word. Let y'all's light. I think you can say that, can't you? I'm from Chicago, so it's hard to know uh, how you actually use these terms. But let y'all's light shine before others. This, and this changes things. When you hear things in that way, it shows us that Jesus is giving us a vision that can only actually be carried out in the context of community. You are a city on a hill. Guess what? You can't be a city by yourself. You are the salt of the earth. One grain of salt can't do a whole lot. To live the vision that Jesus is offering is actually impossible unless you are deeply embedded in Christian community. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I've been hammering this into your heads for the last couple of weeks. But I just want you to see that this is not me. This is Jesus. This is not Paul even. This is Jesus. In fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount, in many ways, is a blueprint for community. How Jesus' community is to live in the world. We are not a collection of individuals who show up here to get religious inspiration. We are a family. We are a household. We are a temple. We are a community called to be salt and light together in the world. And so I'm going to keep on saying this. I'm going to keep on saying this, friends. If you are living a solitary Christian life, if you are just showing up to a church service once a week, if you drift from church to church and podcast to podcast just trying to find some spiritual inspiration, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss this vision that Jesus has for global transformation because it is embedded in his new community. Don't miss it. It's a vision for community, not church attendance, not spiritual dabbling. It is a vision for community that is living out the kingdom vision of Jesus. In the world. So that's the context, okay? Real brief on that. Second, though, what is Jesus' vision? What is his vision for how his community is to engage 
in a broken, rebellious, dark, and sinful world? What is his vision? Well, I will say it this way. We've used this phrase before here at third, but his vision is engaged difference. Engaged difference. He is not calling us to conform. He's not calling us to withdraw. He's not calling us to combat. He is calling us to be against the world yet for it. To be distinct from society yet engage in it. To be set apart yet totally involved in it all at the same time. You could call it holiness and worldliness all at the same time. So let's look at what this means. First, let's look at difference. These images that Jesus uses show us that we are called to be radically different from the world around us. He's, he's deliberately chosen images of contrast. Salt. At the time, salt was mostly used to preserve meat, to keep it from going bad. Jesus says the world around you is like decaying meat, and, and, and you are the salt. You're that different from the world around you. Light, again, a contrast. The world around you is dark. You are the light. You're that different. He's laying a contrast A contrast between the church and the world, the community of Jesus and the community of the earth. He's saying as different as light is from darkness, as different as salt is from decaying me, you are to be that different in the world around you. And actually, the Sermon on the Mount, if you've never read it before, I encourage you to study it because in many ways, the Sermon on the Mount is a blueprint for how his community is called to be different in the world. You are, if you belong to me, Jesus says, you are to live with completely different operational principles than the world around you. You're to handle your money differently. You're to approach sex, marriage, singleness differently. You treat the poor differently. You relate to different classes and races differently. You handle conflict differently. You have different business practices, different goals for your kids, different priorities, different ideas of success, different ambitions, different standards, different everything. And the goal of this difference, Jesus says in verse 16, is so that they may see your, you see that? Good deeds. I love one translation. They may see your beautiful life. Your beautiful life. And want to get to know the God who is behind it. That he would be glorified. Be different. Can the world say this of us? Is our life, is your life, is our community so different, so remarkable, that it shows up the contrast between the beauty of Christ and the darkness of the world? Or do we just blend in? Would someone look at us, look at you, look at our community, and see the exact same goals, lifestyle, ambitions, and ways of life as everybody else? Honestly, friends, The American church does not have a good track record on this. I read a recent survey that almost made me cry. That showed there is no, there's really now no discernible difference between those who claim that they are Christians and those who claim they are not. There is no discernible difference in consumer habits, in pornography usage, in political and social and racial attitudes, in divorce rates, in giving patterns, in hardly anything. And the scary thing about this is that Jesus says, verse 13, if the salt loses its saltiness, if the salt loses its difference, it's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In fact, this is kind of funny. The word that Jesus uses for loses its saltiness is one Greek word, the word moranthe, from which we get our word moron or moronic. Jesus, Jesus is saying it, it, for salt to lose its saltiness is moronic. As my friend Percy says, salt that loses its saltiness is just white dirt. It's just, it's just white dirt, right? It's silly. And for Jesus to say, for you to claim to be a Christian and live like everyone around you is moronic, silly, foolish. The whole point of being a Christian is undermined. So this is the first part of Jesus' vision. Be different. Every part of your life must be changed by the gospel. 
and by the word of God? Is there some part of your life that you are not letting Jesus change? It may mean changing your lifestyle, changing your priorities, changing your habit. You know, Andy Crouch said, you know, increasingly in our society, it's easy to be countercultural. Just give 10% of your money away and watch TV less. Right there, boom, countercultural. You know, just two easy steps. But seriously, what, is there some part of your life that you are not letting Jesus change? Because this is central to his vision that we are a community that are different. Be different. Second, though, engaged. It's not enough to be different. We've got to be engaged. There's two ways for salt to be useless. One is for it to lose its saltiness. The other is for it to stay in the cabinet, to never touch the food. Salt, even um, one inch, one centimeter away from the food is worthless. It's not doing its job. It has to touch. It has to penetrate. It has to permeate the meat for it to do its work. If it stays in the salt shaker, it's useless. Same with light. What good is light, Jesus says, if it stays in a bucket or a bowl or a cupboard? The only way light is effective is when? It's released into the world. Jesus says, yes, you are to be different, but not so you can stay safe in your Christian ghettos, not for social segregation. The purpose is for you to be released, get engaged, get rubbed in society, get involved in shaping, cultivating, transforming, renewing, keeping society from decaying, falling into darkness as light is to darkness, as salt is to food. So the community of Jesus is to be for the world. And frankly, friends, (laughs) we're not so great at this one either. Uh, When I was a high school student, I worked in a summer camp and I used to work sometimes in the back kitchen making the food for these poor kids. And um, one of the things we would make at least a couple times a week were these big boxes of instant mashed potatoes. Oh, barely could call them potatoes. Not even sure potatoes were in them. But we would, you know, in, the, in this box of mashed potatoes, there were these clumps of salt. And when you poured the boiling water in, they were supposed to dissipate and distribute throughout the mashed potatoes. But occasionally this would not happen. And you'd be walking through the dining hall and you'd hear a kid crunch down. And go, <laughs> because salt... Distributed is being as what it should do, but salt clumped together is just plain gross. And Jesus is saying, Christians, don't clump. Don't clump. Yet we do this. You know, we, we, we just, a lot of us, I've, I'm guilty of this, spending all of our time with Christians and church activities and Christian activities. And when we socialize, it's only with Christians. And we go to Christian institutions and Christian doctors and listen to Christian music and put our kids in Christian sports teams and listen to Christian music and go to Christian schools. And we just spend all of our time in these Christian circles. Somehow we believe that to be a good Christian means to fill your life with lots of Christian activities. And we do this on a a societal level as well. Christians have become genius in creating what I call parallel Christian institutions. Right? We've created our own vacation lines, Christian bookstores, Christian radio stations, Christian clothing brands, Christian subdivisions, Christian neighborhoods, Christian publishers. Even, I saw this week, Christian poker chips. It says on each chip, go all in for Jesus. As if, <laughs> as if we could only play with Christian poker chips, right? Jesus says, don't clump. Don't clump. You are the salt of the earth, not your small group. You are the light of the world, not your Bible study. As salt exists for the food. As light exists for the darkness, so the Christian community exists for the world. We are the only society that has ever existed to exist for the sake of those who are not members of it. To quote William Temple. 
We're for the world. So what does this mean? Well, what does this mean? John Stott says it means at least two things. First, it means negatively we address what's wrong, right? That's part of our job. Salt preserves what's rotting. Light exposes what is hidden and dark. So part of our job is to see what is wrong and to address it. To be a preservative community. Hold back decay. Push back darkness. Enter into the dark problems of the earth, whether it is the plight of slaves or the plight of the unborn or the plight of the orphan, whether it is the raw truth of poverty and violence in our society or the legacy of white supremacy and racism in our history. Whatever it is, this is, this is just what we do. We see what is wrong, we name it, and we move toward it, entering into the problems to push back the darkness and be the presence of Jesus. International Justice Mission has done this with human trafficking. They've named it. Many of us have been ignorant of this. I have been. And they, and they have used all of, their, all of the instrument of the law coming alongside local law enforcement and justice system. And as a result, because of what they're doing, they are seeing change. People are being freed. And this is part of what we do. Negatively, we name what's wrong. But positively, we foster what's right. Jesus did not say, you are the wet blanket of the world. Right? Squelch their fun. You know, that's not, that's not what Jesus said. He, he said, you're the salt. Salt brings flavor. Brings zest. Uh, light brings illumination and hope. He, he's saying, he's calling us to be people who bring renewal and healing and transformation and goodness where it is needed. Y'all, we worship a man who has risen from the dead and is coming again to make all things new. We know the end of the story. History ends with a party. And so we are called to look for ways we can bring joy and life and healing and transformation and renewal into the culture around us, making all things new. My friend Jeff uh, planted a church in Harlem, gosh, 10, 20 years ago. It was called New Song. I love that. New Song. Singing a new song in a barren land. And Jeff, over the years, um, their little church um, started a tutoring ministry. They, they partnered with Habitat to rehab houses and a blighted community. Um, they, they started a jobs program. They started an art studio. They painted murals on their walls. They rebuilt the block. They planted trees. One day, uh, after years of this, one of my, my, my Jeff, Jeff's neighbor came to Jeff and said, Jeff, I got to tell you this. I don't believe in Jesus, and I kind of wish you didn't talk about him so much. But I hope you never leave. I hope you never leave this block because you have pressed so much life into this place. That's what we do. We don't just stand against what's wrong. We foster what's right, and we do it without hiding our light by naming the name of Jesus. So this is the calling of the church, both to to resist and renew, to expose and illumine. And do you see the implications of this? We so often as Christians look at the problems of the world and the city, we see the violence, the declining of values, the breakdown of the family, the disregard for human life, the violence, the injustice, and we just shake our heads and we say, too bad, the culture's going down the drain. And we blame. We blame the liberals. We blame the secularists. We blame the media. We blame the government. We can think of just about anybody to blame. But if we take seriously what Jesus is saying, y'all, do you know who is to blame? We are. If the house is dark, you don't blame the house. You say, where's the light? If the meat is bad or bland, you don't blame the meat. You say, where's the salt? And if the society is dark and deteriorating, you don't blame the culture. 
You say, where's the church? Why aren't we taking responsibility? Why aren't we dispelling darkness and hindering decay? That's Jesus' vision for how the world, how we relate to the world around us. Not to combat it, not to conform to it, not to withdraw from it, but to engage as his people of difference. That's his vision. So what do we do? What should you do in response to what you are hearing? Let me just make a couple of suggestions. First thing I think you should do is make sure you're salt. Make sure you're light. You know, we are a type A community. We are busy people. We love to do stuff, and we want to all change the world. But I want you to hear this, that before, look carefully, before this is about doing, this is about being. Jesus does not say, try to be light. Work real hard to be salt. He says, you are. You are salt. You are light. I've made you this because of your relationship with me. He said, because you know me, because you've trusted in me and followed me, I've changed you. You're a new creation. Your new identity is as one who belongs to me. And therefore, because I am the light and I am the salt in relationship to me, you share my power in you. Our power to do this starts with knowing Jesus, friends, with being changed by Jesus, having our new identity in him and living in union with him. Our only power to be salt and light rests in our relationship with Jesus. So actually, I kind of have to ask this. The way you start is to ask, do you know Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? Have you let him save you, make you new, rebirth you? Do you live in union with him? Have you surrendered every part of your life to him? He, he, he will come in and expose what is dark and rub his salt into what is decaying. And he will make you new. And the degree to which you have surrendered your life to Jesus and living in daily union with him, to that degree, you, we, together, will have the power to live as salt and light. So that's, that's the prerequisite. Figure out if you're salt and light. The second thing, though, is for those of us who do know Jesus, we've got to figure out ways how to do this together, how we can be practically be salt and light in the world. Because all of us don't live in India fighting <laughs> human trafficking. You know, so, so what can you do? And let me just make three suggestions, okay? The first is, um, and this is just real brief, but you can actually get involved through our partners. We give over a million dollars away every year as a church to local international partners who are doing things and accessing places that you and I will never be able to reach and never be able to access. Partners like IJM, partners like Richmond Justice Initiative that are fighting trafficking in our own city, especially in the prostitution industry. Um, there's partners like the Sidners who are going to be here in November who are actually working with immigrants at the epicenter of the refugee crisis in Europe right now. There's local partners like CHAT, like Urban Hope, like STEP, that are working in some of the most struggling parts of our city. There are ways that you can get involved, get to know our partners, pray for them, pray with them, and get engaged. That's one way to be salt and light. Another way is through your everyday work. Guess what happens Monday morning? Church, we get distributed. We get distributed. We get salted out into every sector of our society. I mean, and y'all are all over the place. Art, media, medicine, law, trade, business. Some of you are in retirement homes. Some of you are school children in schools. We are salted all over the earth. And what if we were to approach all of these places of distribution with intentionality, not for wealth and self-advancement, but to bring the life and grace of Jesus in whatever vocation you find yourself in?
I have a friend of a friend named Sarah, Double Dom. And Sarah was working in, actually, of all things, she was working in a women's cosmetic magazine industry. And she was just becoming extremely tired how in this industry, how women were portrayed, how their body image was destroying, this vision of a perfect body, perfect skin, perfect everything was just destroying these scores of women that she was encountering. And so she decided to do something about it. And so she started her own quarterly women's magazine called Darling. She wanted to, to kind of hold up the modern mold of women to the fire. And so the mission statement is beautiful. It says this, Darling is a magazine. It's a catalyst for positive change, leading women to discover beauty apart from vanity, influence apart from manipulation, style apart from materialism, sweetness apart from passivity, and womanhood without degradation. And this magazine has become so successful. You go into anthropology, you see it right there, right next to the cash register. You see it in all the high-end boutiques. You see it in Barnes & Noble right there in the front. Sarah has started a new conversation about femininity because of her commitment as a follower of Jesus to be salt and light in a place where there was a whole lot of decay. So in your area of work, in your industry, in your, wherever you find yourself every day, ask yourself three questions. What could you resist that's wrong? What can you illumine that's right? And what could you create that could be? Think about that. You can be salt and light through your work. Finally, through our everyday neighborhood life. Guess what, friends? The big reveal. Our parish model, it's doing this. We're trying to get you unclumped, right? We're trying to unclump you here at 600 Forest and get and scatter, distribute, and to live out the gospel in every neighborhood that we find ourselves. One of the most powerful ways to be salt and light is through everyday acts of loving your neighbor. Some of you might have heard of a famous Christian speaker and author named Tony Campolo. Tony tells a story about an old friend of his named Charlie. Tony and Charlie went to school together. They went to college together. They got PhDs together. And then eventually they were able to both get professorships in different universities. Well, all was going well, but one day Charlie's mom called up Tony. She said, Tony, you got to talk to Charlie. It's been three weeks and he quit, Tony. He quit. Got to talk to him. So Tony said, okay. So he went and found Charlie in his one-room apartment in New Jersey. Sat down in Charlie's beanbag chair. He said, what's going on, Charlie? Charlie said, I quit. Tony said, I know you quit. Why'd you quit? I quit because I just couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't take those people. You know, I'm teaching these deep existential truths of the great works of literature. And the kid in the back row raises his hand and says, will this be on the test? I can't take this anymore. I can't teach these people. And Tony says, uh, so you quit? Yeah, I quit. So Tony says, uh, so what are you going to do? How are you going to put food on the table? Charlie says, well, I'm a mailman. A mailman? Impressive. A PhD mailman. They just kind of sat there awkwardly for a few moments, and then Tony said, well, well, well Charlie, this is the only thing he knew what to say. Charlie, you just go and be the best mailman that you know how to be. And Charlie said, I'm a lousy mailman. <laughs> he said, you're, you're a lousy, why are you a lousy man? He said, because I visit. You visit? I visit, Tony. You would not believe how many people had never got a visit until I was their mailman. 
And he began to listen to Charlie tell these stories. And he began to realize, he got this picture of what Charlie was doing in his everyday life. He was sitting with lonely widows. He was counseling troubled teenagers. He was listening to jokes told by old men who hadn't told a joke to anybody in years. Tony realized as this was unfolding that his friend, Charlie, was delivering far more than the mail. He was delivering the gospel. That he was salt and light in this. He was literally changing a neighborhood. The only problem, said Charlie, is I just can't sleep. He said, you can't sleep. Why can't you sleep? Who can sleep after 20 cups of coffee a day? <laughs> Tony, Tony says that Charlie is the only mailman he knows that all the people on his route get together every year, rent a gym, and throw a party on his birthday. Friends, you don't need power to be salt and light. You don't need money. You don't need influence. Jesus was speaking to people without any of those things. But through these ordinary, everyday acts of love, entering into, honestly, the darkness and the despair of your neighbor, Jesus is giving us the opportunity to fulfill this call to be salt and light. So can the world be changed? Indeed it can, and indeed it will. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is making all things new, and one day he will bring about a new heavens and a new earth. And for some mysterious reason, he has called us to join him in the renewal of all things. So be different, family. Be different. Be engaged, family. Be engaged. And do all of this in deep connection with Jesus, our Lord, the light of the world. Let's pray. I just, I just want to invite you to think about what you'll be doing this time tomorrow, where you'll be, or maybe where you'll be this just a couple hours this afternoon in what neighborhood you'll be in. And just ask Jesus to show you through his spirit, how is he calling you to be salt and light in that place? Thank you, Father, that, oh my goodness, thank you for hope. Thank you that we are people of hope. Thank you that the darkness of the world, though terrible and deep, uh, is not a cause for despair because Jesus has risen from the dead. And thank you that knowing Jesus, we can not just have hope, but we can actually be instruments of hope uh, in a world that needs it. Lord, I pray for any person here that if they desire to be salt and light, to be a part of this vision, that they would just walk, take one step towards Jesus today. That they would not leave this place until they just say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I invite you in. Make me new. For all of us, may we stay close to you, Jesus, so that we can be salt and light, whatever work, whatever vocation, whatever industry, whether in a school or a home or an office, whether in a firm or, or in a college or, or, or in a legal practice, we pray you would give us mercy to show how we can be salt, how we can be light in wherever we find ourselves. Give us mercy, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.